Man, if a preacher can't preach after that, I might as well hang it up, man. I'm ready just to go home right now. I'm ready to run through a wall. Woo! Man, listen, I am so glad this is the last week of this series. I'm over it. I'm over studying for it. I'm over preaching to myself during it. Like, we have different sermon series right here. Like, the next series, man, I, I, it's going to energize me. Talking about what makes Action Church, Action Church, that's my passion. There's some series that I like to get up because, man, I don't struggle with the issues I'm preaching about, and I just get to hammer you. And I know that doesn't sound very godly, but every preacher just likes to get up and rip the congregation every now and then because they know that they're not struggling with that issue. But then occasionally you have to do those series where you're preaching to yourself. Barry, I don't know what is going up here ringing. If you can kill it, that'd be awesome. If you can, I still love you. It's not the end of the world. But this series has been preaching to me. I have lived out the offenses of this series, have tried in my best way to get victory over them, and I hope it's impacted you. I probably put more hours into studying for this series than I have in a real long time for a series. Because to be honest with you, I rather would live offended. It just comes natural. It comes natural to me to be irritated and fired up about something. I don't want to have to be in the Word, and I don't want to have to be in prayer, and I don't want to have to be working on my relationship with God in order not to live offended. But as I read the Bible over and over and over, I just couldn't do it. And we've covered some deep topics over the last couple of weeks. If you missed any of those messages, you can go to the podcast app on your phone, look for actionchurch.tv, and you can download those sermons. If you can't find them there, you can go to actionchurch.tv, and you can listen to them. You can go to our Facebook page, and you can watch them. But we're wrapping it up today, and let's just be honest. Have you noticed that the world around us just seems a little angry these days. I was given to nice hell when she came in because I was watching wrestling last night. I'm a 47-year-old redneck. WrestleMania was on, and I was watching it. Here's people fighting on television. And I was more interested in the fight that was taking place on her Facebook page than I was on the television. It was getting good, boy. People were blocking each other, yelling at each other. It was on like Donkey Kong, man. And someone got mad simply because she posted a picture. We just live in the day and time where people are looking to get offended, and they're allowing their offense to make them angry. Like, I just feel like we live in a day and time where it seems like everybody is one issue away from losing it, from snapping. I mean, there's a group of people, there's a lot of people that are angry with government officials. We have government officials that are frustrated with citizens. We've got employers frustrated with employees and employees frustrated with employers. Matter of fact, so much that we have the largest labor shortage in the history of our country right now. We're just a country, we're a people that seem to be angry right now. And it seems like once we get angry, we can't shake that anger. Let's talk about air travel. Anybody travel a lot through the air? This stat blew my mind to show you how short our fuses are. In 2020, before 2020, the average number of investigated incidents on an airline over a course of a year was 143 in our country. So prior to 2020, on average, there was 143 incidents on airplanes that had to be investigated. We are in April, is it April 2nd, 2023, so we're January, February, March, we're not even 
four months in. We're starting the fourth month. Already this year, there's been 3,715 incidents on airlines that have been investigated. We're angry. We're bitter. So today, we're going to wrap up this series talking about our anger. I've talked about the fact that God never talked about that we're to be right, but that we're to love. I've talked about the subject, you're not as right as you think you are. We've talked about how to deal with those people. But the reality is there is going to be some issues in life that fire you up, that offend you. And if you're not careful, those issues then will control you. So I want to talk to you on this subject, the last week of this series. What do we do when bitterness takes over? Because bitterness is a natural progression of offense. Bitterness is a natural progression of when we become sinful in our anger. We're going to hang out over today and about Hebrews chapter 12. We're actually going to skip around a lot, but I want to read this article or read this statement to you that I read this week, a quote from Psychology Today. It says this. It says, all bitterness starts out as hurt. And your emotional pain may well relate to viewing whoever or whatever provoked this hurt as having malicious intent. Anger and resentment is what we will like we are likely to experience whenever we conclude that another person has abused us. Left to fester, that righteous anger eventually becomes the corrosive ulcer known as bitterness. When we view what others do as intentionally trying to hurt us, we get angry from that. We dwell on that. And it begins to form the ulcer that is known as bitterness. And if you've ever been around a bitter person, they're the most miserable people on earth. You know the old adage, misery loves company? Because the problem is, when people become bitter, they want to make everything around them bitter. Now here's the problem when you talk about this. When you talk about a subject like bitterness... It exposes wounds in us as we hear the message. And a lot of you say, I didn't come to church to hear and get my wounds exposed. I came to be uplifted, and I'm glad you're here, and I hope the worship uplifted you today. Today might not be the most uplifting message for you. Because you're going to have to get honest with yourself about what you've allowed to turn into bitterness. You're going to have to get honest with yourself about what is consuming you and what is controlling your temperament. But if you allow yourself to be open-minded today from the Word of God, we're going to give you some steps on how to let go of that bitterness. I did not say to change your views. I did not say I am going to teach you how to change your truth. I am not saying that I am going to show you today how to show you that everyone's entitled to their opinions and they're all right. What I'm going to show you today biblically is how we allow ourselves not to be controlled by the bitterness from the infliction and hurt that we perceive other people are causing us. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 2, make every effort to live in peace with everyone. And to be holy. Who's to make every effort? We are. But Gary, that's not what it says. Make every effort. It doesn't say make every effort to live in peace with everyone unless it's make every effort to live in peace with everyone. And to be holy. Because without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Powerful statement. It's saying that we, as Christ's followers, need to do the best that we can to live at peace with everyone. 
And when we're living at peace with everyone, we are living a life that is holy. It's a life without conflict. It is a life without anger. It is a life without bitterness. Because when those things are present, people are not seeing the Lord. When we are living at peace with other people, it opens up people's eyes and their views to see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God. Oh, this is is huge right here. And that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. You need to understand the context here. This book was written to a group of Christians, and culture had turned against them. Sound familiar? Culture had turned against their beliefs. Isn't it funny that we think we're dealing with things that are new? We're not dealing with things that are new. This book is countercultural. And when you stand on the truth of this book, people are not going to like it. I feel like we're getting more and more and more ungodly. The Bible says in the end days it will get more and more and more ungodly. Why are you surprised? We knew how it was going to turn out. Quit acting surprised by things you knew were going to happen. In Hebrews, the culture had turned on them. They were frustrated. They were struggling. This following Jesus thing was really not what they thought it was going to be. And to be honest with you, as you read the book of Hebrews, you'll see that the church was ready to walk away from the faith, throw up their hands and be done. It was frustrating to them. So it is in this context that the author of Hebrews says, hey, breathe. Make every effort to live at peace with everyone. What he's saying is is you don't have to attend every fight you're invited to. What it's saying is, is don't be shocked when an unbelieving world has different views than a believing world. Be holy. We can stop right there. We could do a whole series on that verse. Live in peace, be holy. Make every effort to live at peace with everyone. And my question for you today is, if you were to be honest, are you making every effort to live at peace with everyone? But Gary, when they attacked me, I didn't say what they did. The Bible says every man must give an account for himself. I know that is hard for us because we love to blame others for our issues. We learned that at an early age as kids. It was never our fault. It was the other kid's fault. We learned that when we get married and our marriages fall apart. It was never our fault. It was the other person's fault. We learn that when we go to a job that we hate. It's not our fault for taking a job we weren't going to like. It's our boss's job, fault. Have we made an effort to live at peace with everyone? Because the reality is, is when you're not living at peace with other people, you're not walking in holiness. And when you're not walking in holiness, people are not seeing the Lord. And we're left here for one reason and one reason only, seeking to save that which was lost. You see the cycle? So if I was the devil, what would I do? I know a lot of people online think I'm the devil. So let me tell you, if I was the devil, what I would do. I'd do exactly what he's doing today. Hollywood has turned the devil into some idiot. A comical character, he's smart, he's a genius second in command in heaven. He was the highest of the angels when he was kicked out. The Bible says he walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour. Lions are the kings of the jungle and the devil is compared to the lion. The lion is part of the cat family. Cat families are from the pits of hell. See, it's always a vicious cycle. Preach, Gary, preach. I do exactly what the devil's doing today. I would cause division. I'd get us turning on each other. I'd get us fighting with each other. I'd get family to fight over issues that really don't matter in the context of family. I'd get friends to no longer agree to disagree, but ruin friendships over issues that at the end of the day don't really affect our day-to-day lives. 
I'd get the most minor, stupidest issue and I'd make people fight over it. I'd take issues that have been around for thousands of years and suddenly I'd make them the hot button issue with clickbait on social media. I'd word things in a certain way that got this group fired up at this group. And I'd word things a certain way that got this group mad at this group. It's exactly how I would operate. Maybe I am the devil. And my mind seems to work like his does. It's really not that complicated. <laughs> and, and, and I would do that because I would know that people would no longer live at peace. And when people are no longer living at peace, they're not walking in holiness. And without holiness, people are not seeing God. That would be my goal. I want to talk to you today about a couple of qualities of bitterness. And then we're going to unpack how we overcome bitterness. Because I don't really think we understand just how powerful and how strong bitterness is. I, I don't think that we understand the magnitude and control that bitterness has over our life. We see it at other people. I call it the parking lot test. When you pull in and see their car, and like, crap, I don't want to go in. But we don't see it in ourselves. Bitterness is a hidden destroyer. It's hidden because we don't see it in ourselves. Isn't it interesting that the author of Hebrews uses the imagery of a root to talk about bitterness? Deep beneath the surface where nobody can see it. Matter of fact, you won't even know how deep the roots run until you try to kill the thing that the roots are supporting. I grew up in North Georgia. In North Georgia, we have pine trees. Pine trees are bad to the bone. They're one of the strongest trees out there. They say that there's some limbs on a pine tree that can weigh up to 500 pounds. They're beautiful. They 20, 30, 40 feet tall. Some pine trees have stood the most ferocious storms. And they say if you dig up a pine tree, that there's a root system underneath the pine tree that is so exhausted that if you took all the roots and ran them end to end, it would stretch over a mile. It's not the structure coming out of the ground that provides the strength. It's the roots underneath that nobody sees. And that's the analogy, that's the imagery, that's the illustration that God uses when he talks about our bitterness, it's underneath the level. On the outside, you're smiling. You're looking like you have it all together. You're trying to fake it until you make it, but underneath the bitterness is spreading out. And here's the problem. Whatever the root is dictates the fruit that it produces. So bitter root produces bitter fruit. You don't have a peach tree root producing apples. You don't have an apple tree root producing peaches. So when the bitterness is running underneath, it's a hidden destroyer because people don't even understand the branching out that it's going on. That's affecting someone. I'm not a botanist and I'm not a horticulturalist or whatever they're called, but here's what I know. The deeper the root, the stronger the tree. The Bible says our bitterness is like a root. It's underground, other people might not even see it until that one thing happens and it's exposed for all the world to see. We leave it unchecked because we don't see it. It just continues to grow and grow and grow and grow. And I need you to understand something. Some of you right now are struggling with bitterness because you didn't know how to handle your offense in the first place. And you're struggling with the bitterness and you're not dealing with it in the proper manner. And so what's happening is it's growing underneath you. The bitterness is getting stronger and you don't even realize it. And it's robbing you of the life God intended for you. I mean, I want you to think about this. I preach on this a lot around here. I get it. But you have one shot at life. You know me, I, I, I get nostalgic every time 
my birthday comes up because, man, I realize that my life is half over. Tomorrow's my birthday. I'll be 47. Someone's like, you still got 40-something years. Yeah, maybe. In the grand scheme of things, that don't seem that long. Like, I'd like to go about 200 more. Like, I know where I'm going, but I dig it here. Like, I got one shot at this thing called life. And you think I'm going to control my life based on bitterness and anger? I went to get my beard done this week. That's how I know that I'm listening to what I preach. I walked in, the barber said, man, you just missed so-and-so. Now, this guy doesn't know that I can't stand so-and-so. I said, did I? For a brief instance, I felt my jaw get tight. I felt my shoulders kick back. I said, I just missed him. He's like, yeah. And suddenly, just like that, I was like, why do I care? Why am I going to let that person who I haven't seen in a year and a half get me that irritated? Why am I going to let that person dictate my happiness? What does it do for me to all of a sudden get angry about the possibility of running into that person? I'm responsible for my own life. I dictate my peace. And it was powerful to me because I didn't even feel the need to share it with my wife or anybody. I shook it off and I moved on. I refuse to allow those roots to grow underneath the ground because they dictate my attitude. They dictate my demeanor. And they also, if I allow them to set up, they will destroy me in the end. It's beneath that surface that goes unchecked. We all have the stupid things that get us angry. The stupid things. Can I tell you a stupid thing that gets me angry? Christine's going to amen on the front row. Nothing gets me more angry. This is stupid, but I'm telling you, I get bitter about it. It's when I have to go to a funeral where I'm not preaching the funeral. I get furious. I sit out there and I listen to the preacher, and I'm thinking, that was stupid. Why do you say that? I wouldn't have said it that way. If I was preaching that funeral, I'd have said it this way. Christine, am I wrong? She, oh, I get mad. I don't even know why he used that verse. That verse don't even have anything to do with the funeral. What is he talking about? And, and, I, and, and listen, I, that seems so dumb, don't it? But I can't shake it. And it gets angry in me. And then afterwards, like, I've been so angry at a funeral, I won't even shake the preacher's hand afterwards. You say, Gary, that seems dumb. I get it, but I ain't controlled it over the years. And so it's just festered. And it's spread makes me furious. Like I just want to walk up and slap them. I used to be that way about weddings, but I despise doing weddings now. So I'm like, hey man, suck all day long. I ain't got to do it. Thank you. Thank you for doing it because I didn't want to. But we really get riled up about insignificant things, don't we? Told you last night. On the nicest page, they got riled up over a picture she posted. She didn't have to agree with the picture, but why not just keep scrolling? I posted something yesterday, and someone made a smart aleck comment on there, and I went to type, and I was like, why? I don't really care. They don't agree, that's cool. But if I engage them now, then I'm going to go back and forth with them all day. A hidden destroyer will control you. Silly stuff just gets us wound up. Like, like I've literally seen people ready to come to blows over sports. It's absurd. Like, we have people in this church who won't come to this church the day after their team loses. I'm not going to say any names, but Tony Sweat. That fired up. And I want to look at them and be like, you're an Alabama fan. You literally have to deal with it like once a year. That's it. You could be a Tech fan and have to deal with it 10 times a year. 
riled up. Like people riled up. Riled up in traffic. Furious. It's traffic. Breathe. You'll get there. The other day, this guy's honking and blowing, and I see him in the next lane over, and he's <laughs> zipping through. And I mean, you, I, I drive slow. If you know anything about me, I don't drive fast. I ain't in no hurry. I grew up with a dad, and we were late to everything my entire life. So I make sure I leave on time. I ain't in no hurry. I'm cruising down 20, going to speed limit. Just flying in. All of a sudden, we hit the red light right beside each other. I just waved at him. He flicks me, tells me I'm number one. I just smile. And I thought to myself, we got to the same place at the same time. He's mad as hell. Like, how miserable to live life that way. Insignificant things. How many of you, I think, it's, I think it just goes through your blood when you're a cope. How many of you ever been on the phone with either my father-in-law or my wife? I'm going to throw them both under the bus. Do not be on the phone with them when they're driving. They double-team Heather on group calls. Literally, Rick, he'll call me at the end of the day. So after about six, I know Rick is home. I, I, I'm giving away my secrets here. And I'll answer the phone. And I know he's home. He calls during the day. I'm always like, in a meeting. Because I know he's in a truck, driving, cussing. Some, I, I don't want to be on the phone when someone finally just like does something crazy to him. It's traffic. I ain't going to say Christine is just as bad, but man, like that bitter root is a destroyer. It, Hidden, she don't know it. She don't know it. <laughs> Some of you right now are sitting in your seat, and you already know the insignificant things that rile you. If you you're worried right now that I'm actually going to mention it. Like some of y'all get so riled up at a restaurant because they mess your order up. Breathe, they're humans. Or the checkout line don't go. I, I literally saw a guy at Walmart that they just lose his crap over how slow the checkout line was rolling. I'm like, breathe, man. Like, are you in that big of a hurry? And if you're in that big of a hurry, you're an idiot for going to Walmart. Man, here's your sign. And then I get it, man. Some of you are dealing with huge issues. Paralyzing issues. Abuse. Betrayal. Deception. I, I get it. Legit issues. But the legit issues, if we're not careful, will also sprout underneath and begin to grow roots. My dad, growing up, owned a company until I was about high school. And then my parents shielded me from me this from a long time. I didn't know why. I knew that about high school, our lifestyle changed. I never really knew why all of a sudden my dad, he still had a job, but it, he, he didn't own the company anymore. And all of a sudden my dad was getting up at 2 in the morning to go throw newspapers and um, kids, for, you used to get newspapers in your front yard, and it, it told you what was happening in the world. You had to, it wasn't immediate on your phone. And I, I remember, and, but my parent, my, my dad didn't talk about it, but I remember being an adult and asking him about it one day, and I said, man, what, what was the shift about that time? Turns out he hired his, one of his best friends from high school to be the CFO of his company, and the guy stole all the money, and my dad lost everything. And I never knew it. And never saw my dad act any different. And never saw my dad, and I'm not saying he didn't get angry, I'm not saying he was a saint. But I asked him, I said, man, I bet that drove you crazy. He said, what good would that do? I said, what do you mean? I said, did you get him back? He goes, what good would that have done? I said, what do you mean? He goes, spend the money we didn't have to hire lawyers? Going to a multi-year legal battle that I may have won or may not have won? He goes, it happened. And I never forget, he goes, life happens. But I never wanted it to affect you guys. For the next 10 years, my dad, who was a sharp businessman, got up and threw papers. To pay. He wouldn't even file bankruptcy on the company. He paid back every single one of those debts. He refused to allow bitterness to set in. My dad retired. My parents had to sell their house. We lived very well when I was growing up. 
My parents bought a camper. They laughed about it and joked about it. Said, we just want to live in a camper, a simple life. I'll tell you something, my dad is not. He is not a person who's going to go camping. Okay? No. They didn't buy a camper to live a simple life. They bought a camper because they had no retirement anymore because of what happened all those years ago. And they lived in the camper for how long, Christine? Five, six years? Five, six years so they could save up enough money to buy a modular home to put on my sister's land. Nothing wrong with a modular home and nothing living on my sister's land. Not saying, but what I'm saying is something that happened 20-something years ago still had a chain reaction that is affecting their life today, and I never heard my dad get bitter. Never get angry. He's the most chilled, peaceful guy ever met in my life. He didn't allow that bitterness to set up underneath him. We've heard it said, bitterness is like drinking poison and hoping it kills your enemy. The reality is bitterness doesn't affect the one that hurts you. You're angry at them when they're not even thinking about you. They don't even think about you. Yet you're allowing what they did 18 months ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, whatever it was, to still affect you today. Is that their fault or your fault? Fool me once, shame on them. Fool me twice, shame on me. It's their fault for what they did. It's your fault for allowing bitterness to set up. It's a, it's a hidden destroyer. Don't miss this. Bitterness also is a, it always poisons others. See, we think that we're the only one carrying bitterness, but it poisons others. See, here's the funny thing about roots. You ready? Roots never just stay in your yard. Remember the first house I ever bought? Walked out one day and the fence was down. And the roots from the neighbor's huge oak tree had branched out and come out of the ground and knocked my fence down. He wasn't going to fix it. I didn't know I was young. I called the city. They said, those roots are on your property. I said, but the tree's on his property. He said, but the roots are on your property. His roots affected me. I had to replace the fence. You think it only affects you, it affects everyone. The other day, had I allowed that to affect me longer than two seconds, guess what would have happened? I'd have come home, and I'd have been in a mood. I wouldn't have told them why I was in a mood. They'd have just known. Hey, you ever just know when they're in a mood? I like to think I'm past that in life, but apparently I am not. They can just feel the mood. Mm-hmm. I'd have been short with people. I'd have been frustrated. I'd have been snappy. And then guess what would happen from me being frustrated and snappy? My wife, who was a godly woman, would have also become very frustrated and snappy back at me. She would have got snappy with me. I'd have got snappy with her. We would have fought. Then the kids would have been affected. Why? Because I didn't control my bitter root because it always poisons others. <laughs> Excuse my language, but damn, that is good preaching. I don't care if a white boy is doing it. Man. Man. Bitter root produces bitter fruit. It it grows and it does so much. That word bitterness in the original language, it means to stain, to pollute, to contaminate. That's what our bitterness does. It stains other people. It begins to contaminate. And we know that. We live in that culture today. People get bitter. Post it all over social media, and what happens? It's like throwing gasoline on fire, and it just ignites. I watched it this week with the Nashville shooting. What a horrible thing. What a horrible thing. But I watched it become 100 times more horrible by how people were arguing and fighting and bitterness, trying to prove their point of view. Funny thing was, neither one was convincing the other anything. We took a tragic issue and we politicized it. Both sides. You're saying, Gary, you don't have any opinions on it? I do. 
I do. But who wants to hear my opinion? Like what good would have come out of that? Bitterness would have come out of it. We just broadcast. It's like that's all the news can do nowadays is just divide. Social media platform. My life is so defined by my hurt, and I'm going to invite as many people as possible into my misery because, man, I'm miserable, so therefore you should be miserable. Pathetic. The world we live in today, and don't miss this, hatred and holiness cannot coexist. The Bible says live at peace with one another. The opposite of peace, fighting, anger, war. And it says live holy. Saying, Gary, we shouldn't take a stand. I'm not saying we shouldn't take a stand. It's all on how we take the stand. I covered that a couple of weeks ago. Are we taking the stand in love? Or are we taking the stand to be right? Happens every single day. You have, it happens every single day in the church. You ever seen it? You ever noticed in the church, one family never leaves the church? A group leaves the church. Because one family got their feelings hurt because somebody didn't stroke their ego in the way they thought it should be stroked. And instead of just leaving and saying God's moving them, they rally the troops around them to leave. Stand close, preacher. I think one of the best, we have done, let me tell you something, we have done a lot wrong at this church. One of the things that we have done right is we've always let them leave. Bye. We're not mad that you left. I was at the Wildlife Expo last week and came around the corner, saw some people who had left our church. And to this day, I don't know why they left our church. Don't really care. They left. It didn't bother me. They're there. I don't care. It's a free country. But boy, they saw me. I saw the color fade from their face. I saw them three or four minutes later hugging necks and leaving. You know why? Because bitterness is set up in their life. They can't even be on the same piece of property as me. Guess what? I didn't think about them again one time until just now. They didn't ruin my night. They didn't ruin my plans. But they allowed bitterness to set up in them. And what's sad is, is this person had a person in their life that was probably one of the nicest human beings in the world. Everyone loved him. Oh, did I just give away that it was a woman that got bitter? I'm sorry. Her pathetic actions, and for those of you watching online or those of you here know who I'm talking about, feel free to tell them I said this. Matter of fact, Find out the point in the sermon. They can go fast forward and listen to it. This woman allowed her bitterness to set up to the fact that it affected her husband. He secretly, when she ain't looking, is like, they don't sound like a man. Well, I, I, didn't say, I didn't say he was the manliest man. I said he was a nice man. Carried over. I, man, I have a lot happen at the barbershop. I ran into this person at the barbershop recently. And I could tell, like, he didn't know was he allowed to say hello to me. I looked at him and said, I said, she ain't here. You can say hello. You can see the instant, man, how are you doing? Everything good? How's Christine? Man, how's Luke? Just started talking. How pathetic. <laughs> Bitterness always poisons other people. One bitter person. Lou, I know you've seen this. David, I know you've seen this. One bitter person can destroy an entire church. That's why we don't chase them. Funny thing is, they always end up back here. They eventually realize, and they come home. And when they come home, guess what happens? We throw our arms around them. We're excited they're here. And then we just go keep on doing what we've been doing in the first place. 
Bitterness will destroy you. So here's the question, and we're getting out of here today because I'm hungry. How do we deal with bitterness? Because you're going to get offended. I get offended. You're going to get angry in your offense. As much as I try not to get angry, I am going to get angry in my offense. And when I am not careful, I allow my anger to develop into bitterness. I'm not preaching at you today. I am preaching with you today. My name is Gary Lamb, and I am the king of getting angry over things. I am the king. I used to wear it as a badge. Did I not, Christine? I can cut you out of my life and be done with you forever. I didn't care who it was. And I can still do that. But what's the heart behind how I do it now? I don't want to do it in anger. I don't want to do it in bitterness. I don't want to do it in a way that affects me. I don't want those roots to spread out and start poisoning my wife and poisoning my children. Because here's what's happened. My two oldest are a lot like me in that way. Because they saw that version of me. I hope Emily and Luke have seen a different version of me, and therefore they will be different in that regard. It's not something I'm proud of. So how do we deal with it? When it sets up, how do we deal with it? The first thing we're going to do is we're going to expose it. We're going to expose it. You get real honest with yourself. Have you ever noticed how many of my sermons, this is always the first step, Acknowledge it, expose it, name it, admit it. You know why? Because you can't get healing in your life till you're honest with yourself about your issues. And we love to lie to ourselves, so we're going to expose it. The Bible says in Ephesians 5.11, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. What produces fruit? Root. So when you got a dead root, you produce dead fruit. You have to expose that root. You expose the object of your bitterness. Have nothing to do with the fruitless. Expose it. What he's saying is take the darkness and bring it out into the light. Actually, go to the place of your hurt and backtrack it and begin to find out where that pain point is. Because many times, what we're producing outwardly is not even the issue. It's a byproduct of the issue. Write it down. I know people that are bitter at God because they lost a parent to COVID. I get that. I know people that are bitter at a coworker for getting a promotion that you work for and they got it. I know people that are bitter at older siblings who seem to do no wrong. So, I always thought this was funny. Some of you are mad at the person dating your ex even though you don't want your ex. I'll never forget one time someone said, man, you get... You, you, but you don't like that guy? I said, why? I said, if I didn't like him, the worst punishment he could ever have is he's dating my ex. <laughs> you know? Man, anger. You're in a prison. You've set yourself in a cage, but the problem is Jesus died to set you free. We're called to live free. He said, I have come that we may have life and have it to the fullest. Do you understand that life is amazing? If you don't think life is amazing, I'm going to hurt some of your feelings right now, and I do not care because I'm this passionate about it. If you don't think life in general is amazing, the issue is you. Gary, you don't know what I'm going through. Life's amazing. I lost everything at 33 years. I literally was homeless, and life was amazing. I got to get up and live every single day. It's amazing. I lost everything, and it was amazing. You know why? 
because I lived in a country where I could rebuild my life really quickly and start over. I don't want to lose everything. I like my life. But if I lost it all tomorrow at 47, I'd embrace the suck for a short period, then I'd get up, I'd shake it off, and I'd rebuild my life. Some of you quit living 20 years ago when blank happened. Some of you quit living 40 years ago when blank happened. Some of you live in the past so much that you can't even enjoy today, and you're wasting this amazing thing called life. And now we live in a society, oh, I'm going to be careful here, but I, I feel this strongly about it. We live in a society now that instead of telling you to embrace the suck, wants to label it. Well, they're depressed. I believe in depression, I get it. But I also believe you can overcome your depression. Or this mental issue, or this mental issue, or this mental issue. No, the reality is you just refuse to expose what has caused you to be hurt. And until you expose what has caused you to be hurt, you will never get healing in it. You got to acknowledge it. What is the blank in your life? What has you rooted in bitterness? I think probably the most angry and bitter time in my life was just a few years ago. I look back now on it, and, and I'm almost embarrassed about it. I got really angry during COVID. I got really angry during shutdown. I don't want to politicize that. I don't, I don't care where you stand on it. I'm telling you I, I got angry. And then here's what I did. You ready? I came up with all these fake reasons why I was angry. I was angry over masks. Why? I didn't wear them. So why was I angry about it? I was angry over the vaccine. Why? <laughs> I didn't get it. I'm over here preaching about my freedom, and I'm getting mad that other people are exercising their freedom. Good for them. I don't care. And I, I was angry at everyone around me, and I attacked the city, and I attacked everyone. And then I became unpleasant, more than normal. More than normal. And, and then I had to expose why I had got angry, because I was beginning to burn bridges in my life that I had spent a long time building. My bitterness was affecting things. And I'll never forget stepping back and beginning to analyze what am I angry about? And for me, really the root of the issue was this. I was fearful on how I was going to provide for my family. I was in the event business. I had built a very successful event business that provided a very good life for our family. I like to joke that I jinxed and I caused all the shutdowns because the night before they shut America down, I looked at Christine and said, man, do you realize we're in the best financial position of our life? And we had the six biggest events we ever are going to do coming up in the next two months. I looked at her and said, do you know how much money we're going to have in the bank in two months? And then shutdowns came. And suddenly all that money I had in the bank, I'm now processing, oh, how long can that money last? Oh, I'm good for about nine months. Oh, what am I going to do in nine months? So my anger was not masked. My anger was not COVID. Why would I get mad at people dying over COVID? Get mad at it? I mean, I'm mad at it, but like my, my, my anger wasn't vaccines. My, my anger was, I feel as a man, I'm supposed to provide for my family. And I allowed that bitterness to manifest itself in other ways. And the minute I exposed that, guess what happened? I stepped back, I breathed, and then I remembered this amazing thing that my father owns the cattle on a thousand hills and that he says he will provide. And God provided more for us financially during that time than we had ever been provided for in our lives. But, but, don't miss this. The period I went through bitterness, I'm still rebuilding some of those bridges. I'm having to be extra nice now. 
the people. City of Canton. Because of bridges I burnt then. I don't want to be the angry. I, I want to be the guy who stands for truth, and I want to be the guy who stands by his convictions, but I don't want to be the angry guy in town. I want to be the guy that people don't mean, even though I don't agree with you, I love you. You have to expose it. It wasn't them. It wasn't those issues. It was me. But I had to get real, real with myself to realize that. So we're going to expose our bitterness. Then we're going to cancel their debts. Or we're going to cancel their debts. It's where it gets a little bit challenging. We're going to cancel their debts. There's this story in Matthew 18 where a guy has called in all the people that he has borrowed money to. And one of the guys says, man, I don't have the money. Please forgive my debt. And the guy forgives the guy's debt. I'm making this number up. But let's say he forgives a million-dollar debt. The guy who had his debt forgiven goes and finds a guy who owed him $100. Tells the guy to pay up, and the guy says, I don't have the money. And he has the guy thrown in prison. He was forgiven a million and wouldn't forgive a hundred. They hurt me, Gary, and we've hurt people, and God forgave us. While we were yet sinners, the Bible says Christ died for us. Who are we not to forgive someone's offense when we've been forgiven everything? Goes back to the problem is this. You think forgiveness is forgetting. You think forgiveness is justifying. You think forgiveness is uh, giving them a pass. You think forgiveness is becoming their best friend again. You think forgiveness is ignoring what they did to you. It's none of those things. Forgiveness is not even for them. It is for you. They're not thinking about you. But they hurt me. And you've hurt people. They betrayed me. And you've betrayed people. They screwed me over. And you've screwed people over. But you cancel that debt. You give yourself the greatest gift in the world. The gift of freedom. I love the phrase, I, I said all the time on social media, I'm, I'm a free man. And what I mean is I live in a country where I get to be free, and I live a lifestyle where I get to be free, and I set my life up where I get to do what I want when I want, I live in freedom. Some of you brag about living free, but you live in chains. Because someone hurt you. I'm sorry they hurt you. I'm not minimizing the hurt. You've got to change that route. Or you don't have to. And you can keep being a miserable... ...that nobody wants to be around. We had a family member who went through a stage where they were so bitter and so full of anger, we didn't even want to be around them. I won't forgive it. Then you're only hurting because those people have moved on with their life. You haven't. You got to move on. I know it's hard. But we got to make sure that we don't miss giving the grace of God to other people that God has given to us. While we were yet sinners, I like to call what Christ did preemptive forgiveness. We'll talk about that next Sunday. Before we messed up, he'd forgiven us. Now, again, that doesn't mean there's not consequences. There can still be consequences. My kids mess up, there's consequences for their actions. But I still love them because they're my kids. We're going to choose, and it's a choice, we're going to choose to give up our claim to revenge. We're going to choose to give up our claim to blame. Here, you, they don't deserve it. I have a righteous anger. And then here's what everyone goes to. Remember when Christ overthrew the tables in the temple? I do. I do. 
Christ lived 1,277 days, but you want to bring up one day. <laughs> he also hung on a cross and said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Don't justify your anger as righteous anger. I said this a couple of weeks ago. I said, we, we don't take our other sinful behavior and call it righteousness. That's righteous lust. That's righteous gluttony. No. In your anger, do not sin. Man, the rest of the time, the other 1,276 days, the Bible says he was healing the sick. He was loving those who would betray him. He was hanging around those that no one else wanted to hang around. He was forgiving those who had done wrong. I, I can't encourage you enough, folks, to cancel that debt. I know they hurt you. I know you're angry. I know you're frustrated by the way they came at you. But you're only affecting you. So why keep allowing them to win? Back to cancel the debt over and over. I went for about nineteen years with a. I went about seven years with an unjustified grudge against my mom, and I went about twelve years with a justified, what I felt was justified grudge against my mom. I was around her. I tolerated her because she was my mom. The Bible says you're to honor your father and mother, so I chose to honor her. And then about five years ago, Christine had enough. She began to confront me about it. And I let her confront me about it. And then I would tell her she could confront me all day long, nothing was going to change. She didn't ride me about it. She would just bring it up. Then about three years ago, she made some decisions. I'm going to be a part of your mom's life, whether you are or not, so I'm taking the kids out to your mom's. If you don't want to go, don't go. Bye. Then your kids begin to ask you, how come you didn't go to Nana's? And you begin to get that sort of that crappiness in you. Uh, I don't want to go. So then I begrudgingly went a couple of times. Had to be around my sister, who I don't really like my sister. She's watching this, I don't like you, and you know that, so we're good. She hates me so much, I know she's not watching it, so we're good. <laughs> and then I don't know what happened about a year ago. I guess Christine's prayers. You hate when people pray for you. Something began to click. And I just decided, why am I holding on to my issue with her? She's been told the issue. The issue doesn't click in her head. But why, as we get older, one day my mom is going to pass away. It's right about the time Christine's grandparents passed away. My mom's going to pass away one day. And I'm going to regret it. And then at that time, my biological dad, who I didn't really even know, passed away. And I was surprised. I, don't, I won't say it affected me greatly, but it affected me. I had a little bit of regret. I was like, man, why did I never take time to get to know him? And I thought, well, I still got these parents, and I don't want to live with regret. So I became intentional about being around them. At first, my son's graduation, I did good. How long did I make it, Christine, before I snapped? Ten minutes? Ten minutes. Baby steps. Ten minutes in, I snapped, and I was done. And then the next time I think I made it, about 45 minutes. And then at Christmas this last time, we were there for about three hours, and I didn't snap at all. And hold on, hold on. And then one day I was driving, and I was like, I'm going to call my mom. She was more, she thought someone was dead. 
What's wrong? Nothing, I just come to talk to you. And when I called her, I began to, I was like, I don't like calling. Ah. So I was on the phone with her about to come home to talk to my mom today. Christine said, yeah, yeah, I said for like two minutes. Yeah. What did y'all talk about? I just called and told her how lucky she was to have me as a son. Did she ever realize that? She goes, that's what you told her? I said, yeah, that's what I told her. We hung up. Then about six months ago, I said, Christine's like, where you been? I thought you left the office about 10 minutes ago. Or 30 minutes ago. I said, called my mom. I've been on the phone with her for 30 minutes. She won't hang up. And Christine's like, you didn't hang up on her? I was like, no. I canceled the debt. She didn't ask me to cancel this. She's never asked for forgiveness for what I feel like she did to me. And here's the deal. What she did to me to you might not seem like a big deal, but to me it was. But I canceled it. Guess what? It was only affecting me. Then we went out for Christmas, and I called her, and I said, hey, I ain't asked my mom this in like 13 years. I said, remember those things you used to make when we were little? I need those. She made them, and I ate them, and I thought, man, this is what forgiveness is about. I get to eat these again? Like, count me in. Like, Christine's tried to make a machine, Mom. She was raised by Yankees. They don't know how to cook. Man, they ain't using no lard in their cinnamon rolls. Come on. In that moment, I made the choice to cancel the debt. And you know how many people have canceled their debt against me? Thank God he canceled the debt. So we're going to expose it. We're going to cancel it. Here's the hard one. Canceling seems hard. Then we're done, I promise. Oof, I hate this one. Lou, I need you to read. I can't even say it out loud. Oh, I'm glad Lou could read. I didn't ask him if he could before. That could have been bad. This is when it goes whole another level. When you can begin to bless those who hurt you. I can't do it. Well, the Bible says in Luke 6, but to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Listen, I get there's parts of the Bible that are complicated. That one ain't. Put it back, Xander. I'll read it again. Those of you who are listening, if you're here today, you're listening. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Mm. Guess who sent my wife a friend request on Facebook yesterday? My ex-wife. My ex-wife, who we spent tens of thousands of dollars fighting in court with six years ago over our kids. My ex-wife, she still has me blocked. <laughs> My ex-wife, who put so much stress in our marriage that we almost didn't make it. My ex-wife, who I finally had to go to Christine one time and be like, listen, I get it. But I got a kid with her, and she ain't going nowhere. We got two choices. Kill her, and then we're going to jail. Or we got to figure something out. And I've watched Christine over six years, and I'll give the other one credit too. Work on that relationship and talk in that relationship and be there for each other in that relationship. You say, well, why are you still blocked? Well, I ain't bitter about it, so I don't feel like I need to work on it. <laughs> My justification. Literally now, and I don't want to give her information away, but now, when an ex-wife's going through stuff, she calls Chris. I left her and I said, she ain't got no other friends? Why is she calling you? And why are you sending me the voicemail when you're on the phone with her? 
So she exposed the issue. She canceled the debt and decided to bless you. Hear that. She didn't do it for me. She didn't do it for her. She didn't do it for her. She did it for Luke. You think he's in a better situation now? Blessing the other person. And what's funny is all of you with your exes, you hate them so bad. There was a time in your life you didn't. Maybe it's just you need to get back to the root of the issue to expose what the true issue is. You don't want to be with them anyway. So what's the true issue? Where they were blah, blah, blah. Well, plenty of people in your life were blah, blah, blah. You got kids with this one? Man. Bless is a word we get actually like a eulogy. It means to, to speak well of others. The reason we struggle with the root of bitterness is because we begin to compare sin. They hurt us, but they hurt us in a different way than I hurt people. All hurting, sin requires the grace of God. I'm done. I, I got too much other stuff to say, but I just want to tell you this. Ephesians 4, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgive each other. There's the, clen- there's the clincher right there. Just as Christ forgave you, people are going to offend you. We can stand on truth, but make sure we're standing on truth in love. The way you deal with those people is you love them. Realize, like I said last week, you're not always right. Hate to burst your bubble. And when bitterness sets up, because it's going to set up, I get that I am the most phenomenal preacher in the world. But no matter how much truth I give you, you're still going to have moments of bitterness. Expose it. Cancel the debt and bless those. Let's pray.